0: I'm Brooke Gurley and you are listening to Untold Stories, the cases that shaped the civil rights movement, presented by Law & Crime. This podcast is the audio adaptation of my video series titled, The Untold Stories of the Civil Rights Movement. And now, onto this week's episode. What's up everyone, it's me, Brooke. Welcome back to the Untold Stories of the Civil Rights Movement. My little series where I look at what I think are some of the most important civil rights cases. I discuss them, break them down, and let you know why I think they're important. You ready for week thir- 13? Lucky 13. Let's go. This week, we're looking at the 1948 Supreme Court case, Shelley versus Kramer, which deals with restrictive covenants. Now, if you're not familiar with that, generally speaking, they're kind of what they sound like. They restricted who you could sell your property to. And often it was, you can't sell your property to black people if you are within a particular neighborhood. And it's a way that neighborhoods were able to be segregated and sort of relegate black people. And in this case, actually the restrictive covenant involved not just black, but Mongolian or Asian people to particular areas of town which were less affluent and restricted black people to the more rundown areas of town. So let's get into the facts, shall we? Of course. So the facts of this case involves a man named J.D. Shelley who moved up with his family from Mississippi to St. Louis, Missouri. And in St. Louis, Missouri, he did work during the war efforts, building parts for the war. Then afterwards, he worked in construction But his family of nine, so it's a nice nice size family (laughs) that they had going there, um, they were finding that their three bedroom apartment was just too small, and he wanted to find something bigger for his family. Unfortunately, because of the restrictive covenants and other um, discriminatory laws, um, they weren't able to move just anywhere. They could only move in like the, the black part of town. So J.D. Shelley really wanted to find a nice area for his family. The Ville was a nice black area of town, but he was on a wait list. He couldn't get in. He couldn't get into one of the homes. Again, because of the restrictive covenants, he was limited. And he, it really came to a head when one of his daughters were injured in, um, I think it was a robbery or roughed up some, some kind of way. Um, And so he was very frustrated, but he wanted to get his his family moved into a nicer area. That really accommodated, like I said, it was a big family, a family of nine. Um, What ended up happening is that a well-to-do, a very prominent black realtor named James Bush, uh, found out about J.D. Shelley's situation and wanted to help him out. So what Mr. Bush did was assemble what he later called a conspiracy of heroes that included four other people, one was this uh, a high school teacher, a very uh, well-respected high school teacher, a minister, and then a, a white woman who was named Josephine Fitzgerald, who was married to a Cuban man who years earlier was killed because of his ethnicity. But she, um, and then of course, J.D. Shelley and then Bush. So there was five of them. They got together and they decided, okay, Bush saw this piece of property that was for sale in the white area that had restrictive covenant but he wanted to be able to give that to Mr. Shelley. So he conspired with this group of five and they decided to have uh, Miss Fitzgerald, the white woman, buy the property, essentially as a straw person. She bought the property and then immediately sold it to Mr. Shelley or gave it to Mr. Shelley. Um, That was the plan, they executed the plan well, and it went over well. And the first night the Shelly family was in the house, the daughter said, you know, I thought we died and went to heaven, it was just so beautiful, nice two-story home for the family with enough space for them. And everything was fine until the neighbor down the street, Mr. Kramer, noticed them there. At First he thought they were just renters, but when he realized that they actually owned the home, he got upset. Now this man lived like 10 blocks away, so he's just all up in their business. But he got upset and got with the um community improvement organization and they sued essentially asking for an injunction to kick the shelley's out of their neighborhood because they said it violated the restrictive covenant for that community the case the judge there, judge coroner he eventually owned at the trial level he said no 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 in order for this covenant to have been enforced you would have needed all the people who were there to sign it and only you only had 30 out of the 39 homes or homeowners there who signed this agreement. Therefore, he didn't deal on the constitutionality of the restrictive covenant, but said, because you guys didn't have this kind of technical thing, your T's weren't crossed, your I's weren't dotted, um, therefore you can't enforce it. the Shelleys get to stay. The Shelleys were ecstatic, they were happy. Uh, also at this time, they elicited the, um, the help of one of their most prominent African-American lawyers in town, George Vaughn, and so they were happy, but then their joy was short-lived because in due time, They appealed the case to the Missouri Missouri Supreme Court and the Missouri Supreme Court overruled that and said, no, they can't enforce this restrictive covenant. And you know, essentially voted that a rule that they were going to, the Shelleys would have to leave. So obviously they were all, they were disappointed. Mr. Bush assembled all the black realtors in the area that night and he's like, what are we going to do? And they made a decision to appeal all the way to the United States Supreme Court. And um, that's what happened. They got to the Supreme Court. By this point, Thurgood Marshall and his crew were there to help and they were there to, um, Thurgood Marshall argued the case in front of the Supreme Court. So those are the facts. So what's the issue? The issue here is whether or not the Equal Protection Clause of the 14th Amendment prevented the state from enforcing these restrictive covenants. The holding. The court ruled that yes, enforcing these restrictive covenants violated the Equal Protection Clause of the 14th Amendment. So what's the reasoning? Well, the court said, look, if, if it was just a matter of the restrictive covenants, that is private action. Therefore, it's not under the purview of the 14th Amendment Equal Protection Clause. But when you ask the state to enforce this law, then now that is become that has become state action. And now it's something else and therefore it is under the purview of the 14th amendment and to ask the court to to enforce this based upon race is a violation of the 14th amendment. Of course, the other side was like, well, you know, black people could have a restrictive covenant and so the court's like, look, just because you can have this exchange of discrimination doesn't make it right, it's wrong. And if you're asking the court to enforce it, then that is a violation and therefore the restrictive covenants are not enforceable under the 14th amendment, at least not enforceable in the courts under the 14th amendment. Now forgot to mention that the court's decision here was unanimous, kind of. Three justices actually had to recuse themselves, Justice Jackson, Jackson, Justice Reed, and Justice Rutledge, because they lived in neighborhoods that had restrictive covenant. So they were like, oh, you know what, let me not get involved in this because I kind of like these things. That's me talking. But they recused themselves and the remainder of the court (laughs) unanimously decided that this was unconstitutional. Whether or not the other three would have ruled that way, I don't know. Now, the Shelley home eventually became a historic landmark. You can go there and visit it today and it has the plaque and, and, you know, speaks of the the importance of this particular home. Um, If you're ever in in St. Louis, Missouri, when outside opens up, you might want to check that out. So why is this case important? Well, it's important because because of what the Shelleys did, as long as well as Mr. Bush and his conspiracy of heroes, we are able to live wherever we want to, so long as we can afford it. And while yes, I, I don't deny that there's still a racial caste system within our communities. I mean, you still most people know that there's a street in town where you go over it, you're in the black part. You go to the other side, you're in the white part. Um, but as far as that being Allowed legally, you know, de jure segregation in that way is no longer permitted. And that's because of this case. So now we can theoretically live wherever we want to so long as we can afford it. And that's because of the work that they did. But I also think that it's important because when I think of acquiring property and being able to. Um, buy land wherever you choose, that also speaks to wealth, because we know that wealth is tied into property. And so what this case does is not just say you can live wherever you want to, but it's also saying, and your ability to acquire wealth in a particular way shall not be restricted because of your race. And so I think that's also important. It speaks to not just living arrangements, but ability for economic growth, and that that should not be hindered. I would also say that I think this, and it's tied into my my previous point, Property rights are so fundamental to being an American. At least that's kind of one of the things that I learned from law school is that being able to be a property owner is so fundamental to having the American dream. And this case removes the restrictions of that, which then makes being able to achieve the American dream, whatever that actually may be, more uh, obtainable for black people. not just black people, because in this case, It wasn't just black people who were restricted, but Asians as well. So the the Shelley versus Kramer case allows for the possibility for really, truly, almost anyone, if they want to, to be able to take hold of the American dream so far as it's tied into property ownership. Um, Of course, it can be more complicated than that, but I think that's the key point to when people think about the American dream and what does it mean to succeed. It entails property um, and owning property land and this case removes some of the barriers. Granted, they're still there, but this case at least removes some of the barriers. And I think that's why it's so important. If you would like to know more about this case or read up more about it, there is a book by Jeffrey Copeland. It's called uh, Olivia's Story: The Conspiracy of Heroes Behind Shelley versus Kramer, where they really go into where he really goes into the story and the history and the different facets that make up. The shelley versus kramer decision um, there's also a documentary i may leave a link in the um, caption below so you want to check that out if you like this video please be sure to hit the like button whether that's a heart or a thumbs up i would really appreciate that please be sure to share this video um wherever you can um education is important and i'm all about educating people so please share 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 um if you haven't already please be sure to follow me on facebook it's Palookie world productions you can follow me on Instagram at Paluki's World. I'm on Twitter at Palooki's World. Please be sure to follow my YouTube page, which I believe is just Brooke Gurley. Um, I also have a blog. It's World.com. If you go there and subscribe, you'll never miss a video or article I post. Um, and so you definitely want to do that. Thank you all so much for watching. Again, I'm going to be in this era. I know last week I said like the civil rights era, but technically... This whole series covers what I consider the civil rights era. But when I say the civil rights era, I mean like what we traditionally think of as the civil rights movement. So I'm going to be heavily in there bouncing around from like the 40s to the 60s. So come back next week to see where I will be. Will I be in the 50s, 40s or 60s? I don't know. I don't know. You all be safe in the meantime. Take care and God bless. To watch the video series that inspired this podcast, head over to my blog, palookiesworld.com, and make sure you subscribe. For more information on this series, like how do you spell Palooki, please check out the show notes. Finally, please be sure to subscribe to this podcast so that you never miss an episode.